there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T for C. If you're a political junkie, someone who can't get enough of the Daily Cause, Reddit politics, michellemalkin.com, or the Talking Points memo, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is an elected city council member who's been active in local politics for 15 years. But before I introduce you to the talented Evan Glass, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays and gives you an exclusive look inside the episodes and the professionals we're going to be featuring that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number 4 coffeeorg and the sign-up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my political junkies, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my delightful next guest, joining me in the flesh here in my home office, is a former colleague and friend of mine. Evan Glass, an at-large member of the Montgomery County Council here in Maryland. Evan was elected to the council in 2018, but he has been fighting for the people of Montgomery County for more than 15 years as an engaged resident of his community, from organizing neighborhood associations and serving as a nonprofit leader to advocating for small business growth and championing effective government. Evan also served as the former executive director of the Gandhi Bridge Youth Media, in which he helped to empower minority and immigrant youth to become community leaders. And Evan and I knew one another from the 12 years he and I spent at CNN, where he started in the tape library and worked his way up to become a superb political producer covering Capitol Hill and working on the campaign trail with Dana Bash, who of course is still at CNN and continuing to do amazing work there. Council member Evan Glass, welcome to Time for Coffee. How are you, my friend? I am great. Good to be here. It is fantastic to have you. And can we please pick up our coffee cups? Because we actually do have coffee cups. Cheers. Cheers. I have to ask you, are you caffeinated, Evan? I'm and, good to go. And you're good to go. See, yeah. you know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, I want our listeners to know, and with apologies in advance, there's a little construction going on right next door to my house where we're doing this interview. And so you're going to hear some banging and all kinds of things. And I hope it isn't too distracting to you, but we are all set up here. And so we're just going to go with it and hope that they take a break. Maybe they decide to have a coffee break or something like that. Who approved those permits? Exactly. Oh my gosh. I should have gotten to you ahead of time. Another thing I want to let our listeners know is that if they check the show notes for this episode, for those who want to learn how to break into the world of politics, we have the Espresso Shots episode, which may or may not have dropped before this one. So check out your show notes. We are going to get into what Evan is doing now. That episode was more about the skills, the life experiences, whether your major matters, all that good stuff. 
The final thing I want to say is to encourage our listeners, those who really like this episode, and I know they will, to take a screenshot of it on their phones and share it out with your friends, either through email or social media, so that they can benefit as well from Evan's wisdom and his insights. Okay, Council Member Glass, the public service announcement is over. I would love to start our caffeinated chat today with a bit of context. Could you please explain to the T4C community what the Montgomery County Council is, how many members there are, and what it means to say that you are an at-large member of the council? That's a good starting question. And so the Montgomery County Council is the legislative body of Montgomery County, Maryland, which is located just north of Washington, D.C. We share metro stations and train stations and most roads with Washington, D.C. And we have a population of 1.1 million people and a county budget of approximately $5.8 billion, which means that we are larger in terms of population and budget than some states here in the United States. And the council's job is to conduct oversight and help create laws to govern our community. We have nine members on the county council. Five of them are in districts and four of them are at large. And at large means you represent the entire county. When you run for office, every single resident of Montgomery County can vote for you. So that essentially means the entire county of 1.1 million people. And I am constantly driving or taking the bus or some other form of transportation throughout the county, going into all the nooks and crannies, meeting everybody. And it has been a joy over the last number of months since I've been inaugurated. Fantastic. So let's get into what you do as an elected member of the county council. What are all your responsibilities, Evan? So we have a rather unique form of government in terms of the powers for the county council. First, we have final say on the budget. And so we have a county executive who drafts the budget, but ultimately it's the county council that approves it. And so we go through that $5.8 billion line by line. We can add to it. We can subtract to it, which is a unique power that not all legislative bodies have. We also have the power to just write general laws. And I actually recently had a first bill signing for my first piece of legislation. That's amazing. Well, wait till you hear what the legislation is. It's the Montgomery County Pay Equity Act meaning that the county is no longer going to request pay stubs in the hiring process because we know that there's a pay gap that exists between genders and races, and that is largely perpetuated by existing salaries. And so when you don't use current salary to set future salary, hopefully we're going to close that gap. And then a third power that the county council has is over land use. And so that's why I joked about the permits right next door to your home. But we get to decide what the county should look like, how tall buildings should be, how dense new construction should be. And that is another unique power that our legislative branch has. Fantastic. Evan, can you take us into a typical day for you on the job. And I know that there are very different days. There are times when the council is in session, when you've got hearings, and then there are days like now where the council is in recess, but you 
may have other activities getting out and about in the community to meet your constituents. Can you sort of lay out for us the variety of activities that you have and that you're involved in on any given week? Yeah, any typical day starts with me usually having breakfast, whether it is at a formal function, an event, a fundraiser, or meeting with a small group of people to talk about a specific issue. So usually having breakfast and working. Then within the office, we'll have full council session or we'll have committee hearings. And I'll work with my team to make sure we're communicating with constituent needs, working within the system to make sure that people's lives are better and their trash is picked up and that potholes are filled or trees trimmed, whatever issues people are writing me about. And then Usually after work, after four or five o'clock, I'll usually have an event or four events, whether it is another civic association meeting or a gala or just other types of meeting. So days can go pretty long, but at least compared to when I was at CNN and traveling the country, at least I get to sleep in my bed every night. So there's that. Fantastic. Evan, I guess I'm kind of curious whether the reality of what you're doing now is meeting the expectations of what you had before you got into the job. Is it what you thought it would be? Serving as an elected official is largely what I thought it would be because I've been doing the work as a community activist and nonprofit leader for about 15 years or so. So I've interacted with our elected officials. But I'll tell you what I enjoy is actually having a say. And when you are an activist or an observer or a journalist, you see from the outside, you recognize changes that should be made or that you would like to make. And now I'm in a position to enact those changes, propose those changes. And so having people return my phone calls and my emails and working with me in the community is very rewarding to see the fruits of your labor. We should tell our listeners, give them a sense of just how large your staff is. And you mentioned having constituents reaching out to you. How many calls or letters or emails do you get on a given day? And how large is your staff to help you respond to all of these requests? On any given week, we receive a few hundred emails from individuals who are advocating for certain policies that they would like to see changes in the county and our government. And then people who are writing in asking for help with potholes, with tree trimming, with garbage collection, with healthcare benefits, with public transportation issues that their bus didn't arrive on time or didn't show up at all. And so I have a staff of about five people that help me manage the correspondence that talk to the bureaucracy and help track down the root causes of these issues and help get them fixed. And so it is certainly a team and collaborative effort. And that's how I'm able to get things done with really having a great staff who supports me and who bring their passion every day of the week to the residents of Montgomery County. Wonderful. And that reminds me so much of our previous profession, which also was very much a team sport. We could not have done what we had to do without amazing producers, talented photographers, great editorial oversight on our scripts and whatnot to get the job done. It's interesting when I was a journalist and I would always hear elected officials talk in terms of we, 
they would always say plural regarding their staff or their office. And I always thought it was interesting because, you know, it's the elected official who is the one with the authority. But I recognize that one can't do everything themselves. And it really does take a team effort. And I speak in plural all the time, recognizing how important my staff is to all the work that I do. Wonderful. You know, Evan, there may be listeners who are feeling jaded about politics right now. Certainly on the national level in this country, there's a tremendous amount of partisanship, deep divides along party lines. What's it like on the local level here in Montgomery County, Maryland? Why should our young listeners consider getting into local politics? Can they really make a difference? Absolutely. Local is where it's at. We watch the dysfunction on Capitol Hill and up and down Pennsylvania Avenue, as you mentioned. But when we think about our daily quality of life, it is not what happens on Capitol Hill and in the White House. When we think about our schools and our roads and our small businesses, those are all local issues. So wherever anyone lives, it is their city or their county that helps make these decisions. And I would encourage everybody to get involved at that really grassroots level because you have elected officials and governments working hand in hand. Because if your trash isn't picked up and your buses aren't running and there are problems at school, you notice those things first. And that is where advocacy and engagement are picked up and you help make change happen real quickly. So speaking of change, and you've already alluded to this with your pay equity act, is it an act? Is that okay? It's a law. It's now law. Fantastic. Could you kind of break it down for us in terms of how you managed to get that through so quickly? So on the campaign trail, and I was campaigning for nearly a year for this position, And if you had asked me what my first piece of legislation was going to be, if I were to get elected, it would not have been this bill because I didn't recognize at the time the way our government was functioning. And so after I got sworn in and I was officially bringing my staff on board, going through the HR process, I was asking them where they are, what paperwork they needed to submit and what I needed to do to help them with that. And multiple members of my team told me that they were being asked to provide their pay stub to justify the salary that I was providing. And I thought to myself, well, why are they asking your pay stub? Why set the salary? I'm giving you what we agreed upon. And in looking into the issue further, I found that the hiring managers within our government, our county government, have the discretion or had the discretion to use salary history in setting future pay. And regardless of where someone lives, here in the United States of America, we have pay gaps that exist between gender and races. And in the state of Maryland, for every dollar a man makes, a woman only makes 77 cents. And those figures are worse for women of color. African-American women get paid 69 cents for every dollar a man makes, and Latinas make 47 cents for every dollar. And if you are to use those figures to justify future salary, you're not going to get ahead. And that gap is never going to be closed. And so I looked into this issue, recognizing it was wrong and seeing the need for this piece of legislation. And so I was 
honored to have the support of every one of my colleagues and our county executive. And it sailed through the council. And now it's law of the land. Oh, my gosh. And you've only been on the job for like six months. Well, uh, that might be true. And I got to this place and passed this and conceived this legislation, I think because of the journalism skills that I bring to this job in that I started asking questions. Something did not seem right. And I asked about it. And that led me down this path. Oh, I love that story, Evan. There is another story that's actually captured in your bio, and I've heard you tell it live when you were on the campaign trail. And it has to do with how you responded to the fact that developers in downtown Silver Spring, which is a city near to where we are today, were building the county's downtown without enough green space. And you went so far as to become a founding member of Conservation Montgomery. How did you do that? As I was living in a relatively new neighborhood that was right on the Metro line, Washington, D.C. subway, so that I could get into Washington, D.C. for work, I was seeing that all this high-rise development was going on all around me. And the builders were not providing adequate green space. And so you were having concrete jungles all around us, high rises. And I didn't think that was the best way to manage our precious resource, which is land. And got together with a bunch of other community activists. Some of them are from the civic community. Some of them were environmental. And some of them had worked in government. And we got together and started an organization, a nonprofit advocacy group that started speaking out in support of more green space and protecting our trees. And that was one of the first real openings for me is to affecting change and lobbying my local government. Before that, I was really engaged in making our sidewalks safer and our roads safer, pedestrian efforts. But now I was getting more into policy and protecting our trees and our open spaces. And so that opens my eyes into how effective local organizations can be to their municipal leaders. We touched on this briefly in the Espresso Shots episode, but I would love to ask you again, maybe another twist on that for our young listeners, Evan, who think they may want to get into politics. What advice do you have for them as to how they can get involved? And is it just as easy as maybe Googling it on their computer to see what local groups may already exist in areas that perhaps interest them? That's right. If someone wants to get involved in local politics, they should follow their passion for whatever issue it might be and find organizations that advocate for that same issue, for that same policy. And whether it is the environment or reproductive health or transportation or healthcare, there are going to be community leaders, nonprofits, or other activist groups that share their passion and their ideology. And I would encourage anyone listening to find out those organizations, attend a meeting, and start volunteering. And unfortunately, most of those or all of those are unpaid, and it is on top of whatever else one does in their life, whether it is studying or working or caring for their family. But the networking that they will encounter, meeting other activists, other leaders, and the content that they'll be learning 
how their local government works, because not all governments work the same, but it is that foundation that's going to be really important to moving forward and continuing their networking, working for or with an elected official, or you know, quite possibly becoming on the board of one of these organizations or even heading it themselves. It's all about getting into the ground level, the grassroots, and learning about the unique cultures within one's community. And as you just said, there are wonderful opportunities that may come your way as a result of doing that volunteering through the network that can lead to a paying job working in that field or maybe another. That's right. I regularly say that doers do. And you volunteer for something and then other organizations are going to ask you to volunteer for their organizations as well. And if you put your heart and soul into it and you do a good job, people are going to pick that up. And whether that is other activists and organizations or elected officials or people who run departments or agencies within government, and they'll seek you out. And that is how you can get more involved, whether it is an internship or a paid job for a local official. It's having that foundation in being in the community and doing some of that work already. Wonderful. So Evan, I want to pivot to your first profession as a journalist, where you and I met when we were both at CNN and you were such a wonderful political producer. You've already alluded to how that journalism experience has influenced you as a politician today with your asking questions, but are there other ways that the 12 years you spent as a journalist have given you different skills, built a foundation that you are now drawing upon as an elected official? Journalists naturally ask questions. And so I mentioned how my innate curiosity has helped me ask the right questions to help develop new policy, new legislation here in the county. Another thing that journalism has helped with in towards being an elected official is certainly communication. I believe that it is my job as an elected official to help change hearts and minds. And the only way you get people to agree with you on any issue is by explaining to them the importance of it and how it would impact the broader public. And that's through communication. And so whether it's writing newsletters or using social media or writing op-eds in local media, all of which I've done in my capacity as an elected official, those are ways to help communicate directly with people and get them to understand why your position is what it is. And, and I recognize not everyone's going to agree with me all the time. And that's part of life. And I have received my fair share of criticism already in my first six months of office for positions that I've taken. But my reply to anyone, I think, is really important. And I will share with them why I've taken that position. I'm sorry we don't see eye to eye, but this is why I've taken that position I will share with them. And that is communication. And that is at the heart of journalism. So I bring those skills to my current job. If I can add to that, because I have seen you in action on the campaign trail, and it isn't just in the now that you're in the job, the communication skills, but you are such an amazing public speaker. And let's be honest, not all politicians are. You have an incredible gift of the way that you tell stories, the way that you have presented your positions to your audience are so interesting and compelling. And since you've been elected, you've also produced videos 
which, hey, that's the medium of today. You mentioned social media. That's, of course, how you're sharing them out and your newsletter that you do. These are all ways that you have leveraged your experience as a journalist to become an even more effective politician. I did not pay you to say any of those nice things, but I appreciate the sentiment and I apologize to anyone listening if I've fallen short of your accolades during this podcast. But it really is for me changing hearts and minds. And you don't win any political debate without explaining to people why something is so important. You're not going to win an argument by beating people over the head into submission. That is not a winning strategy. You want them to end up supporting the same things you do, whether it is expanding green space, providing resources to create more affordable housing, or expanding our transportation network, even for those who don't take the public bus. It is my job to explain to my constituents why this is in the public good. And the skills that I have honed as a journalism major in college and then as a journalist with CNN for 12 years, I'm glad to be able to use them in my current capacity. And I hope my colleagues and constituents appreciate it. Well, I do. I'm I'm a constituent. Thank you. So Evan, you mentioned your time as an undergrad. I would like to flash back to that time. When you were at American University, you were a double major in political science and journalism. And I want to congratulate you because of the 150 professionals or so that I've interviewed to date, you actually fall into about the 10% group that are in fact using their undergraduate majors today or went into that profession, those professions in the case of your double major. Did you know what you were going to do with your majors when you graduated? So I grew up in a household with a single mom who worked two jobs, and it was just she and I in our house. And as I was growing up in my formative teenager years, CNN started really becoming a thing. And I remember the first Gulf War, and I was watching it, and I was entranced by it and had this affinity for the news and the immediacy of it and the just compelling nature, particularly of broadcast journalism and only applied to colleges where I could study journalism, broadcast journalism. And I knew I loved government. And so it was naturally political science. And so I knew that that was the realm I wanted to work in. And I was first fortunate to work at CNN, where I moved up the ranks to cover politics and Capitol Hill. And now as an elected official to be on the other side of the camera, it's fascinating for as much of the skill sets are similar. There are some differences, but at the end of the day, it is a continuation of doing what I love, which is explaining to people why they should be engaged citizens. I mean, that's really the common denominator. As a journalist, we, as former journalists, right? They. (laughs) They. uh, Journalists want people to be engaged and they want them to be educated about what's happening around them so that hopefully, you know, we don't go to war unjustly or we don't allow corruption to exist, and we make sure that taxpayer dollars at all levels are used correctly. And as an elected official, I want to explain to people why we're using tax dollars the way they should be, or why we need new policies to keep up with changing times. And it's that same thinking that 
community is strongest when everyone is active and engaged. And that's ultimately, if there was a major for that community engagement, I guess I would have redone it and taken that major. But short of that, journalism and poli-sci, it was. So we've touched on this very briefly, and I just want to put a finer point here. You wanted to go to work for CNN because of the Gulf War and watching it and saying, this is fascinating and I want to be a part of it. But you didn't let your aspirations get in the way of the practicality of getting your foot in the door. And even though you were a college graduate with a double major, you still took a job that probably did not require a college degree to get your foot in the door. You worked in the tape library and then you busted your butt and said, hey, I'm here. I'll do anything and everything because this is where I want to go. I want to be a producer. And I love that. I try to ask all my T4C guests, Evan, this next question. And it is to share a time in their professional life when they really struggled. In my case, I was fired twice in my 40s. It sucked. And P.S., that wasn't the only time I struggled. But what was an experience that you could share with our listeners in which you were really down in the dumps? You were super frustrated, something bad had happened professionally. You know, we all have challenging colleagues and difficult bosses and whatnot. But more importantly, how did you persevere? And was there a lesson that you learned in the process? When I was at CNN in the tapes library, as you mentioned, I was telling my bosses and managers that I wanted to do more and just no other full-time opportunities were presenting themselves. And so I actually applied for other jobs while I was at CNN in my first job there. So jobs outside of CNN. Correct. I was looking for other jobs and was a finalist in a few different areas. I actually was a finalist for competing network to be a producer for a show that was starting up. I actually was a finalist to be a press secretary on Capitol Hill for a member who I will not mention. But all of that meant that I just kept trying and I wasn't satisfied where I was. And I was actively looking for a way out. And while I didn't go external, I kept telling my bosses and managers I wanted to do more and just kept working weekends and working as hard as I could, as long as I could. And I was single and wasn't tied down. And sure, it meant I didn't go to certain happy hours or I missed brunches or lunches or family events, but I poured myself into CNN. And eventually... Some jobs opened up and put me in coach, raised my hand, and just kept working really hard, you know, working my butt off. And they recognized that. And that's why I lasted 12 years. But it was probably in two years into the job that I recognized I wasn't where I wanted to be doing exactly what I wanted to do. But I didn't just give up and didn't just sit on my hands. I was actively looking for a way out. And ultimately, it worked out. I persevered as much as I was recognized for the work I was doing. And so you just got to keep plugging ahead. That is my advice to anybody. Don't be comfortable with where you are. Don't be content if you want to leave. You got to work hard at leaving. Or trying new things. And be proactive. Proactive, absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Evan. Final time for coffee question. If you could do it all over again and go back to American University, but based on the wisdom you have now, 
what advice would you give yourself? I'm not sure I would change anything I've done because ultimately the path that I've traveled on in this life has been a winding and meandering path, but I've been following my passion and I've been working really hard. And I would tell my much younger self, just keep searching for jobs that you like doing. And when you enjoy doing what you do, you're not really working, even though you might be working really hard and you are sacrificing. And I wish I could see my friends and family as often as I would like, but I enjoy working and I've enjoyed my pursuit of public engagement, really public interest, sharing information with people first as a journalist and now as a policymaker. And I am blessed to have had a fulfilling set of careers. And ultimately, who knows what happens from here? The voters could say, we're done with you, Evan, and we'd like to bring some new folks in. And if that happens, I'm going to try something new because Throughout my life, I've been trying new things, and life is a journey. Well, what a journey it's been, Evan. And there's so much I love about the experiences that you've had professionally because it shows just how unpredictable our lives are and how little did you know as a producer covering politics on Capitol Hill, that one day we'd be sitting here and I would be interviewing you as an elected politician. And I think another mindset that you've just illustrated there is so important. And that is to embrace those twists and turns and be ready to be resilient if and when life throws you a curveball. And to know that even when you feel down in the dumps, and I hope to goodness that you are reelected and that you want to continue serving in Montgomery County or in the state of Maryland for years to come, but if and when that does happen, you know you're going to be able to pivot to something else that will be interesting and fulfilling and exciting. Absolutely. Life is a journey. And whether you're in your car or in your career, you should wear your seatbelt because the bumps and the curves are real. But keep looking down the road. And again, the best way from A to B might not always be a straight line. And just open every door that presents itself. Oh, Evan, thank you so much for making time for coffee today and a little quinoa, almond, coconut, blueberry parfait because we had breakfast before we started. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me and the Time for Coffee community. I have loved getting to share this experience with you. Who would have thought that we would be here after working together for so many years? But you and I both are examples of people who keep trying. And hopefully we'll continue being successful in all of our endeavors, but it is so important to do so with a smile and good faith. And I do believe that the universe picks up on that. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.